Pittsburgh Steelers fans, welcome once again to another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers show. It is Friday at noon and lots of big things happening in Pittsburgh this week. The Larry Joby signing was a big one, but none bigger, my friend, than just peace of mind. When you hear Mike Tomlin talking in a 90-minute podcast, It kind of makes you feel better about the state of the Pittsburgh Steelers and the state of coaching and the gem that the Steelers have. This might not be a popular opinion with everybody, but it's one that we share here on Here We Go, the Steelers show on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And with me, as always, is the coach, KT Smith. And I'm so glad to have you tonight, Kevin, because this is right in your wheelhouse. This is your bread and butter. This is how you make a living coaching and what were your first thoughts when you heard Mike Tomlin talk hey Brian uh you know you couldn't have I couldn't have said it any better than than how you just put it you used you used the word comfort and I think that that's exactly what I felt I listen as I listened to Mike Tomlin I just kept thinking to myself this is why he's the man this is why the Steelers are so comfortable with him as their head coach because it was uh, it was like listening to a, a master's class, you know, like one of those master class series that people, those podcasts that people do in in coaching. Uh, ta- listening to him talk about his motivation, his philosophies, the things that drive him, the way he communicates to players, etc. Uh, I, I really, we can argue all we want about X and O's. We can argue about clock management and and things like that. The things that people tend to get down on Mike Tomlin about, but you can't argue that this guy is one of the best in the world at what he does. And if you want the evidence to prove that, listen to some of this, this podcast, it's fabulous. So let's go ahead and do that. For those of you who have not heard the podcast, make sure you go ahead and find it wherever you download your favorite podcast, just like wherever you go to download, hopefully your favorite podcast on the BTSC platform as well but go ahead and check that out this is one of the few times i'm telling you to go look elsewhere for a podcast but you've got to hear this so let's go ahead and play a one minute clip and you're gonna hear exactly what we're talking about in just this these 60 seconds so let's give it a listen i like to fight the daily struggle of managing both components of what it is that we do that's what makes you great i hope so it does, because you I have to micromanage so. a lot of men, a lot of kids, a lot of guys that will come in here that you're depending on to help hey, your team. I'm going to cut you off, because I laugh at that all the time. Manage Management, right? That's what the hell we pay to do. Mm-hmm. We put together strategy relative to those that we compete against. We try to bring out the best in the collective, right? And in an effort to do so, we better manage the collective and the individuals within the collective. I love to hear coaches resist the responsibility of coaching. What did you just say, coach? I love coaches <laughs> that resist the responsibility of coaches, that talk negatively about a dude that can't learn. If everybody could learn, we need less coaches. Yeah, that's right. Right? If, if the group didn't need management, then we wouldn't make as much. Yep. I love reading draft evals and and, and somebody's talking about anything other than pedigree, talking about how poor somebody's hand usage is. Well, that's coaching. Right. Mm. I don't run away from coaching. I run to coaching. Love it. It all is in line with that not seeking comfort, 
Because when you're a coach that's talking about somebody can't learn, you're seeking comfort because your teaching is struggling. Yeah. There you have it, Kevin, the way he ends it. I don't run away from coaching. I run to coaching. That is as poignant as you're ever going to hear. Right. And what he's really talking about there in, in the bigger context is the choice you make as a coach when maybe things aren't going exactly the way you want them to. And you've got two choices. You can, you can either double down on your own abilities and, uh, and the things that you've been trained to do and trust yourself to solve the problem, uh, or in other words, to coach, or you can find scapegoats. And often those scapegoats become the players and you make excuses as to why guys can't do a certain thing. Uh, one, of the, one of the quotes from that snippet that you wrote or that you played, uh, Tomlin says, when you're a coach and you're talking about somebody who can't learn, you're seeking comfort because your teaching is struggling. That is brilliant. What he's, what he's saying there is you're, you're, you don't trust yourself in that moment uh, to be able to get that player where he needs to be, whatever problem that, that he's got to solve. Uh, you don't trust your own ability to help him solve that. And so you seek comfort, i.e. you criticize and make excuses and blame because that makes you feel better. It, it takes you off the hook. It's the easy way out. This, this guy can't, can't succeed. He can't learn. He doesn't work hard enough. He won't put his nose in the playbook. I can't get him there. And what Tomlin is saying is that is a lazy excuse uh, and, and is a symptom of somebody who doesn't want uh, to do the, the dirty work of coaching, the hard work, the, the stuff that, that gets players to where they need to be. And I, I honestly, when I listened to him say that, I thought to myself, oh, man, I, now I know. Now I know why so many players want to play for this guy. Who would not want to play for a coach who essentially says to you, I'm going to coach the heck out of you. I'm going to coach you as hard as I possibly can to try to make you the best player you can possibly be. Uh, and and you know, if you don't respond to that, then you don't want to be coached. Kevin, let me ask you this, and this could be one of those questions that where you have to just uh, be completely honest and not be afraid to brag, but have you had a situation where other people have said that this kid's not coachable? Now, I understand that high school and college and pro, there's a big chasm between the three of them, but it comes down to this. It comes down to the fact that they are young players, even at every level, they're young players. And you need to find a way to teach them because you are essentially teachers and that's what you do. But have you ever had that player where someone said, this kid's not going to learn? And you turned around and said, oh, I got him. Oh, 100%. Uh, the difference, we get, get, we get kids as, as high school freshmen and then they graduate as seniors. The, the difference between a 14-year-old and 18-year-old is the difference between between a, a boy and a young man and and the amount of change and growth that that they make in those years and the things they're capable of is astounding I, I it's amazing what what you see these kids go through and it's very very easy early on to write kids off and just say you know a kid might be a really immature freshman or sophomore sophomores are the worst I think I think sophomores are some of the most terrible people on the planet, you know. <laughs> you know, behind like, the steel curtain does not stand behind the fact that sophomores are terrible people. 
Oh, like, having are. my son's about they're, to be a sophomore in, in the fall, but uh, okay. But you know why they're terrible? They're terrible because they're not freshmen anymore. When they're freshmen, they're actually scared and intimidated. And then, and then they and they move up a little bit. They still don't know anything, but they think they do. And that makes them, you know. Uh, oh, that's but, the quote of the year, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it's easy. It's, e- it's easy when you get a kid uh, as a sophomore who, who doesn't, really want to be coached or, or doesn't understand, uh, you know, how to, how to, how to accept coaching. Uh, sometimes they come from difficult home lives. Sometimes, sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes they've been pampered their whole life and, and told them that everything that they do is wonderful. And now they're, and now they're, now they got to actually accept some, some constructive criticism and they're not positioned to do that. But when you say, uh, I can't, this kid won't learn, this kid can't do it. And, and essentially you do what Mike Tomlin was just suggesting. You, you say, what you're really saying is like, I don't want to put in the time or the work to, to try to get this kid where he, he might be able to go because it's going to be hard. It's, I, just give me the kids that are easy to coach. It, wouldn't it be wonderful if we all just got the kids who are easy to coach, easy to teach. Wouldn't it be wonderful if everything that we said, they just took the heart and did it immediately. I mean, that's just not human nature and things don't work like that. Uh, so you really have to work. I, I mean, you asked if I had an example I, I mean, we had a kid a few years ago, uh, and uh, I'll say his name because I'm, I'm proud of him, a kid named Jimmy Rice, who came to us. Uh, he, had, he had moved in from another district, and, and we have a certain way of doing things in our district, and he wasn't used to that way, and he was very cocky and, um, and, and had some raw ability and was a big kid but had no technique and didn't fit into our scheme because he just wanted to do his own thing. And, you know, a lot of guys on our staff wrote him off early on. And I just, I don't know, I just saw something in him. And I thought to myself, uh, stick with this kid, stick with this kid, stick with this kid. And long story short, man, his senior year, he wound up an all-conference player and, and went on to play in college. And and I don't think any of us really would have predicted that as a, when he was a sophomore because of how uncoachable he was. But it's amazing what kids are capable of. And you just have to have to, to keep grinding away. And what Mike Tomlin is telling us is, that doesn't stop just because a, a, a 14 year old kid turns into an 18 year old turns into a 28 year old that those, those, those uh, adults still need your guidance and need your coaching because they're, they're now dealing with, with other things. They're dealing with bigger picture things. They're dealing with how to manage families and manage money and manage a professional locker room. And they need that guidance as well. So the coaching process never stops. Kevin, you talked about the word uncoachable and you also talked about how so many things are going on in these players' lives. But when you're trying to change a player's technique, whether it be baseball in a batting stance, whether it be anything, the my, my gosh, the way you hold a bowling ball, the way you hold a golf club, or the way you approach your offensive linemen, approach their, uh, their stance or coming out of a block, or your running back to uh, use their vision more when you're trying to teach them different things and they're just not used to it. Does the uncoachability just come from the lack of confidence in making that switch? Sometimes it comes from that. Sometimes it comes from a, a, a comfort level with the way that uh, somebody got used to doing something when they were younger. When we're talking about NFL athletes, we're talking about guys that, were generally speaking so much better than their peers when they were younger that they didn't have to rely on technique as much that they were just physically 
so far beyond uh, those those guys, so much stronger, bigger, faster, sometimes all three, that they could get away with some sloppy technique uh, because of that of, of just that disparity in talent. And when you get up to the NFL, it's not like that anymore. The, the, that gap narrows. I mean, you still have certain players that are just these freaks and uh, are, are even are even better than the talent wise than their NFL counterparts. But most of them need in order to succeed, need to be coached on the finer things. And, and like you just said, it's all that detail stuff. It's your first step when you're blocking uh, inside zone. It's your it's your stance when you're a, a wide receiver knowing exactly what you have to do with your hands against press coverage. Cause as soon as the ball snapped, that defender is going to be in your chest. And if you're lazy with your hands, you're now not going to get a clean release. And, and now you're not going to be open. Uh, it's, it's a lot of things that I think, uh, you know, certain players feel like I don't really need this. How's this translate? I just, I, you know, let, just let me get open, but, but that doesn't work in the NFL. So, so I think some players need to be convinced that the things that you're emphasizing, even though they seem like little things, uh, are in the big picture, big things, that, that, that all those little things add up to bigger things. And I think this is where Tomlin is a great coach. We're going to go ahead and take a break, Kevin, and we are going to talk about why Mike Tomlin is a great coach, the value of real coaching, and what real coaching really is. We're going to do that right after this on the second half of Here We Go. The Steelers show from behind the steel curtain.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ain't the worst looking man you've ever seen. Welcome back to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. I am Brian Anthony Davis. Kevin Smith is with me. We call him the coach. We call him KT. We call him lots of things. We even call him genius, but he is one guy that is too humble to take that moniker, but I'm going to go out and say it. I love when this guy talks, I drop everything and I listen. Kevin, thanks so much for being my co-host once again. Yes, sir. Talking about uh, Mike Tomlin and his uh, his on coaching and that's just I could I could listen to him talk all, all night and uh, and I'm, I'm having a good time talking about it with you let me ask you a question Mike Tomlin is maybe a year or two younger than you but would you consider Mike Tomlin a coaching role model to you oh absolutely I I, uh, I steal his lines all the time use them with <laughs> our team uh, I, everybody everybody on our team knows the phrase uh, big windshield small rearview mirror they all know that we, we talk about that one all the time. Uh, and that's got value. I mean, I, I know sometimes Steelers fans are like, oh, these Tomlinisms, what do they really mean? Well, if you take them to heart, I mean, think about that. What does that really mean? Big windshield, small rearview mirror. You know, what that means is don't dwell on the past, look ahead. And we, in our program, we constantly stress having a next play mentality that, that, you know, that football is made up of 
150 plays or so that that make up a game and every one of those plays you got to be focused on that specific thing so whatever happened on the play that just ended whether you did something great uh, or you made a mistake that doesn't matter you have to focus on the next play you have a next play mentality and you keep doing that all game long and that's what Tomlin's saying and if you can get guys to buy buy into that because that's hard if you're an NFL defensive back and you get beat for a touchdown uh, and that that wide receiver is now going to start talking trash and reminding you about how they just beat beat you for a touchdown. And you don't have a next play mentality and you dwell on that mistake or what just happened. Uh, you're in trouble. Your confidence level is going to go down and your ability to, to get out there and focus on your job is going to suffer. And so in that sense, that's a really valuable lesson for for guys to, to learn. And and so those Tomlinisms, they all have a point and the way that he imparts them. He does so in a manner that that people can understand. And so I listen to what he says and I try and try and and, and, and decipher exactly what, what does he mean by that. And if I can use that with our own players, I'm glad to do it. One of these Tomlinisms, it came out today and it was the value of real coaching. Could you kind of break down what real coaching means, whether it be to Mike Tomlin or to you? Well, I think what he's talking about is meaningful interaction with the players. Uh, and by meaningful interaction, we mean that you have to have a purpose for what you're doing. He, one of the things he said was, I love to hear coaches resist the responsibility of coaching. And that was where he was talking about not, uh, not understanding exactly why uh, they need to make a point or what specific point that they want to make. He was talking about having a plan for when you're coaching guys. And maybe that plan is uh, to get them to understand a technique, or maybe it's something bigger like a scheme, or maybe it's working on somebody's confidence. But when you deal with a player, you're dealing with an individual. We can forget that sometimes in football. You can say, I'm dealing with an offensive tackle, and I need the offensive tackle to do A, B, and C. But that offensive tackle is a person, and that person has a specific way of learning things. They might have a certain learning style. Maybe they're a visual learner and you got to take that person into the film room and, and do a lot of film breakdown with them. Maybe that person is, is somebody uh, who really responds to uh, the playbook, the X's and O's. Maybe that's somebody that like, you know, li- likes life lessons and he, and he can learn because of the life lessons you impart. But your job as a coach, real coaching, is when you dig into your players, you figure out who they are as people, and you find a way to, to connect with them that allows them to receive your coaching. Uh, and that's that's hard. It's part teacher, part psychiatrist, uh, psychologist, uh, part mom uh, or part mom or dad, you know, parent, whatever. Uh, it's it's a lot that goes into it. It's not just the hey, I know the X and O's uh, and I think he's great at it. So it's almost a needs analysis what each player needs. So would you say that real coaching would be. Teach equally. Excuse me, let me say that again treat players equally but teach them differently yeah i'll I'll say it a little bit differently i I like to i like to reference a john wooden quote john wooden said every all players are not treated equally they're all treated fairly and i think what he what he meant by that was like you you can't treat everybody equally i've got i got kids on my on my team who live in multi-million dollar houses on the beach and I got kids who live in in project housing uh, and, you know, haven't seen their mom or their dad in years. And how, how do I treat those kids equally? Their circumstances are so different 
that that I, I need to be able to find the way to reach each one, each of those kids in, in a matter that's fair to everybody else and fair to them as well. And so, and so it's a lot of, of uh, you use, you use the term, you know, needs assessment. It is, it's a lot of needs assessment. What is, what, what do, what do I need to do for the collective, for the team as a whole? And then what do I need to do for the individual to allow them to buy into the collective or to give them the best opportunity to succeed within that collective structure. So when I say treat equally, I want to rephrase that to treat with equal respect because it sounds like that's what you're doing here, Kevin. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I think that, that you're looking at, at each kid uh, uh, or in Mike Thomas case, each young man on an individual basis. And then you're trying to, to, to adapt that and to fit it into the, the bigger picture of the, of I'll just use the phrase, the collective, you know, the team philosophy. It's funny. It's like, <laughs> if we're talking about like global ideologies, we're, we're sort of like finding a way to blend capitalism and communism, the individuality uh, that, that, that the capitalist system stresses, everybody's got the opportunity to sort of like be their own individual uh, and succeed to the best of their abilities without being hindered. Uh, by any sort of like structure or outside force versus the the collective mindset of of the communist mentality. I mean, football is a very communist thing in in, in the sense of uh, of we're you know eleven together as one. You know, we're all working together as one uh, to achieve a collective goal. But within that, you've got to find ways to reach the individuals in order for them to be able to buy into the collective structure. And that's tough at times. It's especially tough. You know, I'm talking about dealing with with young, young, you know, young kids who come from sometimes really tough backgrounds versus uh, f- uh, privileged ones. I mean, Mike Thomas talking about guys who who make a hundred million dollars, and and that's a whole other set of uh, of of complications that you have to figure into your sort of psychological mix there. How long does it take, whether it be a professional coach or a high school coach, to get players to respect them? Uh, that's tough. That's a good question. I think one of the things that players always respect is honesty. I think that they can, they can smell a fake, you know, they can, they can, they know when you're being disingenuous. Um, uh, I certainly think NFL players know that they, they know salesmen. If you, if you've made it to the NFL, you've probably waded your way through a sea of sales pitches from recruiters, from agents, from hangers on, uh, from, you know, people want, want you to sell their whatever, you know, market stuff to you. Um, and you probably can, can recognize, you know, the real, the real deal when you see it. And, and I think Tom is the real deal. And I think players uh, recognize that about him. I think with young people, young people, especially ones who come from tougher backgrounds, they want to trust people, but they're skeptical because they've probably been let down by a lot of authority figures or adults in their life. And so they're a little bit harder to reach because of that wariness about them. They're kind of wounded animals in a sense. And so you have to make sure that you're honest and genuine. That's the number one thing that, that, that they respect. And if they feel like you're somebody that they can trust, they will respond to you. So one of the things that we try to emphasize in our program is just that, you know, let's be honest from the get-go. Let's not, let's, let's be upfront with where we stand with each other. Two of the nicest men to ever strap on 
the helmet of hypocycloids with the Pittsburgh Steelers would probably be Tunchilkin and Craig Wolfley. And Tunch and Wolf, they talk about how they respected Chuck Knoll, but they feared Chuck Knoll. Now, a lot of people have compared Chuck Knoll to Bill Belichick of today, but that emperor type coach is kind of going by the wayside. And it seems like more, play, more coaches today are following under that player's coach banner. Can you, is there really such thing as a player's coach anymore? Or are they all mostly players coaches? I think that's one of the most underst- misunderstood phrases that we use in the football world is a, is players coach. Cause I think it conjures this image that the coach is like buddy, buddy with the guys uh, that they joke around in the locker room. And uh, you know, that, they, that he, he's a fun guy to hang out with and we make, and, and we get along really well and all that stuff. I don't think that that's what it is at all. I think a player's coach is somebody who the players know that they can trust and that he will have their backs. Uh, I think a player's coach uh, like like Tomlin said when he talked about coaches resisting the responsibility of coaching, what he was basically saying was some coaches look for ways to make excuses. And I think players' coaches don't do that. Players' coaches stand in front of the media after the game and they bear the brunt of the responsibility. Uh, they don't they don't throw the players under the bus. Uh, they understand that that the things that you say publicly about a player are going to come back to that player or on that player in a thousand different ways through social media. Uh, by the way that the, the fans treat them, by the way that the families get treated by the fans, and that they want to know that a, that a coach is going to shield them from, from that kind of stuff, if at all possible. And, and so um, we live in such a different age now, you know? I mean, Chuck Noll didn't have to worry about social media. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't imagine what, what Terry Bradshaw's life would have been like. Oh, my goodness. The, you know, the first couple of years of his career, if there was – social media and, and, and behind the steel curtain, even I, I hate to say it, but it's true. And we're the uh, nice ones. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're not kidding. Uh, I mean, it's it, like when you read stuff on Twitter and things like that, my gosh, uh, people are vicious and brutal. So you have to, as the coach, be more attuned to uh, the things that players go through and experience. Uh, and you have to be sensitive to it because if you're not, then, you know, you're, you're just sort of kind of, I don't want to say casting them to the wolves, but in a way that you are and, and players want to know you got their back. That's absolutely true. Um, having their back and having them trust you. I, I know how important that is now, Kevin, let me ask you this. The Steelers call Mike Tomlin, coach T. What do your players call you? I realize it's, it's high school and it's a lot different. Are you Mr. Smith? <laughs> no man just you know just coach smith and coach or uh this gender I'll, I'll tell you one pet peeve that i have and one thing that i don't let our players do they've got this habit now brian when you were growing up if somebody just called you davis uh was that a dis- was, was that a sign of disrespect in a way well did yeah it, did, it, it, did it, it bother you did it bother you it did not bother me because I ended up becoming Davis with my buddies. That's okay. uh, basically how I became. But you would never call an adult that. Um, right. That that would be to me growing up in the eighties and and uh, even the nineties, if you can consider that growing up. But that was my twenties. But you never, I would never go up to you, you being my coach, saying, "Hey, Smitty, what's up? Right. Hey, Smith, right." 
Right. So that's, that's, a, so when I was growing up, it, you, you only called kids by their last name in a derogatory fashion. That, and that was just a custom of the time. And I don't know why that was specifically, but, but young kids today, they don't have any problem with it. It's not, they're not offended by it in any way, shape or form. So occasionally our players will simply refer to a coach by their last name. They'll say, they'll say, uh, Smith, you know, Smith or yo Matthews or whatever coach they're talking. And we shut that down immediately, immediately. You, you know, you, you call me coach Smith. You just call me coach, whatever, but don't talk to me like that. I'm not your peer. Uh, that's how you talk to your peers. You know, we're, we're, we're here in a, in a, a different type of relationship than you have with your friends. I'm not, you know, I would not say that I'm particularly hard on our, on our players, like for the sake of being hard, but there are boundaries. It's like, I tell, it's like, I tell my kids, like, well, I'm never going to be your friend. I'm your, I'm your father. I'm going to love you till the day I die. Uh, I'm, you know, we're going to have fun together. We're going to do great things together, but I'm not going to be your friend. We're not going to have the same relationship as you have with your friends. Just like with, with players, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be a peer to you. I'm going to be your coach because that means that there's things that I have to do as your coach and as your dad that are going to be uncomfortable for you, but I have to do them because that's my job. And that's another thing Tom had talked about. He talked about he, one of the great quotes in, in his interview. He said, I resist comfort, you know, that I'm comfortable being uncomfortable. Uh, he said, I'm comfortable absorbing short-term negativity. I loved that phrase so much because in essence, he was saying like, you can't shy away from things that make you uncomfortable for whatever reason. It's, it's, it's the nature of the beast. You have to embrace those things, fight through those things because those things are going to make you better. Um, and so again, we talk about this, this level of comfort. I love hearing from him that that doesn't mean security. That means sometimes, uh, the things that, that, uh, put us in a, in a, in a tough position, embrace the, embrace the discomfort and embrace the toughness. It'll make you better. So let's take a look at the Steelers 2022 draft class and all these guys, there are different there are different things being said about all of these players. Some are saying that he's a project. Some, some players are you know, considered a question mark. Some players are considered not to be coachable. Some players are said to be having, you know, uh, character issues. Does that, does a coach, a real coach, because we're talking about the value of real coaching. So a Mike Tomlin, real coach, do they drown that all out and everybody comes in and it's a clean slate and we see what we have? So I'll reference back to another thing he said in, in, in that clip that you played earlier on the show. He said, I love it when I read these draft evals and people are talking about uh, things like their hand size uh, or, or, <laughs> or, you know, that, that these He's in essence like like he doesn't move his feet well and yada 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 and that and and Tom said what they're talking about is coaching and and he said he said we you know we essentially believe that if you if you give us the guy we'll make him better that we're we're going to coach him and so I think when 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 you when you talk about some of the questions that you just put up there about these things that get said about players I don't think the Steelers take anybody that they don't feel that they can coach and make better. I think I think they take players because obviously you know they fit a need or they or they have potential or maybe they're the best guy on the board at a certain position, but I I I think that they have the confidence in themselves 
that uh, when, when we get this guy, when we get our hands on this guy, we can make him better. And, you know, you and I were, we were just with Shannon White, uh, you know, doing a show earlier and, and Shannon brought up Isaiah Loudermilk. And I talked about how I, I did draft a draft uh, uh, report on him after the Steelers took him. And I wasn't real high on the pick. I wasn't real happy with the pick. I thought he was a huge project. And then, and then he got on the field for the Steelers and he was so much better than, than he looked at Wisconsin. And how did that happen? What's the answer to that? It's, it's coaching. The Steelers uh, believed that he was a guy that they could fit into their system and coach up and, and make him better. And, and, you know, after one year, they're right. Finally, Kevin, let's take the BTSC Cosmo quiz. I'm not going to ask you whether you're a T Swift, a Katy Perry or a Lady Gaga. I'm going to ask you which one of these you are. Are you a Chuck Knoll, a Bill Cower, or a Mike Tomlin in your coaching style? I think of the three of them. I'm definitely more of a Mike Tomlin. Uh, uh, The guy that when I first got hired, the guy who hired me was an absolute Chuck Knoll, an absolute Chuck Knoll. And I I used to, I used to remark, uh, I used to remark about, about him, man, God, he's got such a Chuck Knoll style, Uh, but I'm not an in your face, you know, Bill Cower type guy. I've got a couple of those Bill Cowers on my staff. Uh, the spit's flying and kids are trying hard not to like, you know, uh, back away when he's, when they're in their face or whatever, but they're also hugging them and loving them up. And um, so I think that, I think that, that like I, like I said earlier in the show, I, I, I listen really carefully to Mike Tom and I think he's a, he's an extremely wise coach and I have a tremendous amount of respect for the way that he goes about what he does. And he's a good role model for me. So would you say that Mike Tomlin might be the best example of real coaching right now in the National Football League? He's a great example of it for sure. I mean, I know that I, I don't know the styles of some of the, the other coaches around the league quite as well. Uh, one guy, I think, who, who uh, reminds me of Tomlin in terms of his approach is Andy Reid. Uh, I had a chance to really kind of study him a little bit when he was in Philadelphia. And he's another guy who really seems to reach players. Uh, on a personal and individual level. When he left Philadelphia, the Eagles players just, you know, kind of gushed uh, out with their, with their, with their uh, thanks to him and their gratitude for everything he had done for them, not simply as football players, but as people. That's the thing that you hear all the time about Tom. And Ryan Clark talked about that on the podcast that, that we're referencing. Uh, he just talked about how Mike Tomlin is, you know, the impact he made on him as a football player was one thing. The impact he made on him as a man uh, it was something that Ryan Clark said he, he would be grateful for for the rest of his life. Um, so, you know, I think he's one of the best in the business when it comes to that, for sure. That sounds great. I mean, gosh, if you were on the fence about Mike Tomlin, you might feel a whole lot better watching this. If you are like the two of us, if I could speak for Kevin, who have great admiration and respect for Mike Tomlin, you just love him even more. It was just a fantastic podcast, so go ahead and check that out. Speaking of podcasts to check out, make sure you check out all of the shows on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, as well as all of the articles as well. You know, most of our podcasters, they write too. So you could check out the musings of Kevin Smith. You could check out my fun stuff. I'm more of a fun writer. I'm, I'm not your analytical writer, but I'll go towards the pop culture stuff, so Check out my more, you know, column coming up this week and bad language is my show coming up over the weekend. But if that doesn't really 
satisfy your needs. And the reason I paused when I said that, because look, everybody has a different style. Some people might like more analytical podcast. Then you check out Jeffrey Benedict or you check out the stat geek. You might want straight news or a more studio style show. That's Jeff Hartman. You might want comedy. That's what Yin's talking about. And you want good camaraderie shows. That's the Steelers power half hour. That is we run the North and that is touchdown under as well as the hangover. There's so many shows on this network. There's, if you like draft stuff, if you like personnel, that's the war room and that's the Steelers fix. I'm talking Maddie Peverell and I'm talking about Andrew Wilbar. And I'm also talking about Jeremy Betts. There are so many, if I miss somebody, you want good commentary and good, just thoughtful talk. Listen to Tony Defio. We've got it all here at BTSC and I want you to continue to check it out. Even in June, when it's supposed to be the dog days of summer, well, these dogs at BTSC, well, we're still in the hunt. So with that being said, Kevin, thank you so much. You put on a clinic tonight. I really appreciate you. Thanks, Brian. You too. And hey, any uh, any Steelers fan who's remotely around our, our age uh, should mandatory it should be, Brian's column should be mandatory reading because the pop culture references alone will have you belly laughing. So I love reading your stuff, Brian. Keep churning it out. <laughs> thank you so much. Uh, I, I I put a bunch together this weekend for for the summer, so I, I'm working ahead. But uh, just seeing some of those guys in their college uniforms are a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. Hey, Brian, real quick. Uh, is there any question uh, who the dude of the week is? Oh, there's the, thank you. I almost missed it. There, there's no question. I mean, we don't if you don't know who the dude of the week is, and that's something we've done for like five weeks now. There's no question, but I'm going to let you say it. It's uh, Mike Tomlin is the dude of the week for sure. No doubt. Wow, about that. I'm, I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm chagrined. I, I can't believe it. absolute fantastic dude of the week and for us two dudes we thank you kevin as always a pleasure my friend you too brian have a great week everybody all right keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching with the hypocycloids all right we will see you next week same time (laughs) 